Alzheimer's drug reverses brain damage from adolescent alcohol exposure in rats. Parent-targeted interventions in primary care improve parent-teen communication on alcohol and sex. Binge drinking may be more damaging to women. Marijuana may boost risky effects of drinking alcohol and sleep interrupted. What's keeping us up at night? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our first segment of Alcoholism News. I'm very excited. That's just a taste of some of the headlines that we will dive into in the future. Please enjoy this episode. Hang in there. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Sober's Dope Podcast. In this segment, we are going over alcoholic news and headlines. All right. News for alcoholism and headlines. All right. Here we go. Scientists hunt down the brain circuit responsible for alcohol cravings. Summary. Scientists have found that they can reverse the desire to drink in alcohol-dependent rats with the flip of a switch. The researchers were able to use lasers to temporarily inactivate the specific neuronal population, reversing alcohol-seeking behavior, even reducing the physical symptoms of withdrawal. So that is extremely exciting, ladies and gentlemen. Alcoholic beverages are frequently considered migraine triggers. Eh, You know, you can say that again, right? A study of 2,197 patients who experienced migraines, alcoholic beverages were reported as a trigger by 35.6% of participants. So definitely, ladies and gentlemen, watch that alcohol. If you have migraines or if you're dealing with mental health, alcohol is no good. All right, moving along. Brain biomarkers predict compulsive drinking. Scientists discover brain circuit in mice that controls compulsive drinking of alcohol. Although alcohol use is ubiquitous in modern society, only a portion of individuals develop alcohol use disorders or addiction. Yet scientists have not understood why some individuals are prone to develop drinking problems while others are not. Now, researchers have discovered a brain circuit that controls alcohol drinking behavior in mice and can be used as a biomarker for predicting the development of compulsive drinking later on. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is exciting science for us in the recovery community. All right. Money spent on beer ads linked to underage drinking. Advertising budgets and strategies used by beer companies appear to influence underage drinking, according to new research. 
The findings show that the amount of money spent on advertising strongly predicted the percentage of teens who had who had heard of, preferred, and tried different beer brands. So definitely these companies are socially responsible for underage drinking. And we know alcohol is also a gateway drug that leads to other forms of addiction. So we have to hold these corporations accountable. All right. This is not cool. All right. Divergent trends. Binge drinking and depression. So this is along the lines of our mental health series. Study finds relationship between binge drinking and depressive symptoms declined 16% among high schoolers. Sources, Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health. Binge drinking among U.S. adolescents declined from 1991 to 2018 according to a new study depressive symptoms among u.s adolescents have sharply increased since 2012 and for the first time in the past 40 years binge drinking and depressive symptoms among adolescents are no longer associated that's deep that's deep we have to look more into that let's do we're gonna do a deep dive on that a little later on um i, I, I think that's really deep Teens who have loving bond with mothers less likely to enter abusive relationships. All right. A mother's warmth and acceptance toward her teenagers may help prevent those children from being in an abusive relationship later in life, even if her own marriage is contentious, according to new studies. So moms, love your kids out there because, you know, that that could be the determinant factor of them like you know not collapsing or just imploding later on so it's very important which came first brain size or drinking propensity good question new research challenges traditional idea about relationship between alcohol use and brain size contrary to the belief that drinking can literally shrink one's brain a new study that includes researchers suggests that a small brain might be a risk factor for heavier alcohol consumption jesus that's deep you know that's real deep something to consider Hopefully we could, um, through time, the researchers can develop that more and maybe we could get some information out of that that could help combat, you know, the alcohol crisis. Fathers-to-be should avoid alcohol six months before conception. Parental alcohol consumption linked to raised risk of congenital heart disease. Based on a European Society of Cardiology, aspiring parents should both avoid drinking alcohol prior to conception to protect against congenital heart defects. All right, let's elaborate on this a little bit more. Aspiring parents should both avoid drinking alcohol prior to conception to protect against congenital heart defects, according to research published today in the European Journal of Preventive Cardiology, a journal of European Society in Cardiology. Drinking alcohol three months before pregnancy or during the first trimester was associated with a 44% raised risk of congenital heart disease for fathers and 16% for mothers compared to not drinking. 
binge drinking defined as five or more drinks per sitting was related to a 52% higher likelihood that these birth defects for men as 16% for women. Binge drinking by would-be parents is a high-risk and dangerous behavior that not, that not only may increase the chance of their baby being born with a heart defect, but also greatly damages their own health, said study author Dr. Juabi Kin. All right. Dr. Kin said the results suggest that when couples are trying for a baby, men should not consume alcohol for at least six months before fertilization, while women should stop alcohol one year before and avoid it while pregnant. Ladies and gentlemen, science like this and research like this literally can make the difference in the mortality of our children and our health and, in, and it could improve the mortality and um, life expectancy of our society. So, look, if you're really serious about having kids and you're really serious about that, plan ahead and really cut out all of the toxic drinking, smoking, stress, toxic eating, wait at least a year to a year and a half before even trying to conceive because that could make a real big difference if we start planning um childbirth opposed to just doing it out of just wetlock and just getting it on randomly um that that also could happen but be mindful all right just be mindful a lot of this is about mindfulness all right um what else do we have in russia declines in alcohol consumption and mortality have gone hand in hand Journal of Studies on Alcohol and Drugs. Since the early 2000s, Russia has seen significant declines in overall alcohol consumption, and a new review shows that there has been a parallel steep decline in the country's mortality rates as well. So let's elaborate on this just a little bit because I like this. Much of this decline in drinking has been the result of economic factors, evolving patterns of alcohol consumption and alcohol policies enacted by the government, according to the review. Okay. Um, in Russia today, life expectancy for men and women is 6.1 and 4.7 years longer, respectively, than it was in 1980, with alcohol consumption patterns playing a disproportionate role. Alcohol use has been established as one of the main contributors, if not the main contributor, to Russian mortality, write the authors led by Maria Newfield of the Moscow Research Institute of Psychiatry. She is also with the Institute of Clinical Psychology and Psychotherapy, Dresden Technical University in Dresden, Germany. To study the relationship between mortality, alcohol consumption, government policies, and social trends, the researchers analyzed a number of sources. These included the Russian Fertility and Mortality Database to obtain data on death rates and cause of death including death specifically due to alcohol consumptions. Example given, alcohol poisoning, liver disease, and cardiomyopathy, as well as deaths frequently related to drinking. Example given, suicide and homicide. They obtained data on life expectancy broken down by sex and beer cells from the Russian Statistical Service. Alcohol consumption rates were determined using a technique developed by the study's first author, Alexander Nemstov of the Moscow Research Institute of Psychiatry. 
So ladies and gentlemen, we knew this for a long time, but it's very illuminating to see this actually in the format of data, that there's a correlation between a decrease in alcohol consumption and um, and and the death rate in uh, Russian. So you cut out the alcohol, you raise your life expectancy. You tend to live longer. So alcohol, the the the, the bad studies saying that wine is good for you and can help prolong your life, and alcohol is healthy. It's all bullcrap. For optimal brain health and for optimal hormonal health and 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 total body health. You must abstain from alcohol. Alcohol has zero health benefits. The health benefits that they suggest in um, research are really uh, really excluded to wine and the compound resveratrol in the wine. And the amount of resveratrol in the wine is so low that it's not enough to combat the negative effects of alcohol. So that study is really bad. You might as well just take natural antioxidants and eat fresh fruits and berries. You'll get more natural um, 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 antioxidant benefits and without the negative aspects of drinking. So to anyone out there, just so let's be very clear. There's no real significant health benefits in alcoholic beverages. Your life expectancy will be way better off. You you will live longer if you abstain. All right. So let's just keep that in mind because sometimes too many myths floating around and it's confusing. Consuming alcohol leads to epigenetic changes in brain memory centers. I love this. According to the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine, new research revealed a surprising pathway that shows alcohol byproducts travel to the brain to promote addiction memory. They show how acetate travels to the brain's learning center and directly alters proteins to regulate DNA function, impacting how some genes are expressed and ultimately affecting how mice behave when given environmental cues to consume alcohol. Triggers in everyday life such as running into a former drinking buddy, walking by a once familiar bar, and attending social gatherings can all cause recovering alcoholics to fall off the wagon. About 40 to 60% of people who have gone through treatment for substance abuse will experience some kind of relapse, according to the National Institute on Drug Abuse. But what drives the biology behind these cravings has remained largely unknown. Now, a team led by researchers from the Perelman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania have shown in mouse models how acetate, a byproduct of the alcohol breakdown produced mostly in the liver, travels to the brain's learning center and directly alters proteins that regulate DNA function. This impacts how some genes are expressed and ultimately affects how mice behave when given environmental cues to consume alcohol. Their findings were published today in Nature. It's a huge surprise to us that metabolized alcohol is directly used by the body to add chemicals called acetyl groups to the proteins that package DNA, called histones. Said the study's senior author, Shelley Berger, PhD, the Daniel S. Och, 
university professor in the department cell and developmental biology and director of Penn Epigenetics Institute. To our knowledge, this data provides the first empirical evidence indicating that a portion of acetate derived from the alcohol metabolism directly influences epigenetic regulation in the brain. It has been known that a major source of acetate in the body comes from the breakdown of alcohol in the liver, which leads to rapidly increased blood acetate. In this study, the team co-led by Philip Muse, PhD, a former graduate student in the Burger Lab, who is now a postdoctoral fellow at Mount Sinai and Gabor Urgavari, MD, PhD, a postdoctoral fellowship in Burger's lab, sought to determine whether acetate from the alcohol breakdown contributes to rapid histone acetylation in the brain. They did so by using stable isotope labeling of alcohol to show that alcohol metabolism does in fact contribute to this process by directly depositing acetyl groups onto histones via enzyme called ACSS2. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so it gets a little technical, but... It, this is extremely, extremely important. So what this is basically saying is that consuming alcohol leads to epigenetic changes in the brain and this could affect how your brain responds to everyday triggers. So even in our recovery, the brain learning centers actually retain this memory of the way alcohol makes your body feel, the alcohol in your bloodstream, and the biomarkers that alcohol and the pathways and how alcohol works in your brain, this this like creates some type of genetic or epigenetic memory and it changes your gene expression. So if you're not careful and mindful, you could just fall into regular triggers that will actually activate that genetic pathway and 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 this is real deal in recovery this is why you could see someone go six seven years or ten years and then one day just be like oh my god i relapsed i don't know what happened this happens to me a lot and i this is like something that you have to understand as an addict like sometimes i I could be in a situation and everything about the situation would scream alcohol like the way the, the air smells the way the bar like if i'm at a restaurant and it's the way the bar, the wood at the bar smells. Or if I walk into a store and, you know, sometimes I have to walk into, you know, a regular department store and you pass the liquor section and the way the, the cardboard boxes smell and that neural association or the smell of a cigarette and, um, um, you know, a celebration, all of these different things could lead you right back to the same behavior patterns that were active in your alcoholism and this could be considered a trigger and it could bring you back to a bad place so we have to be careful and we have to remember that consuming alcohol leads to epigenetic changes it means it changes your biology it could change the gene expression of you your future kids and and um you know generations to come and also in the memory center so remember your genetic memory uh, alcohol has a way of affecting that center of your brain okay so this is deep all right so i'm glad we learned that today that's that's big news right there so now we can understand a little bit more how 
um, you know, people tend to relapse and why. And, you know, opioid based plant might not be the best solution to curb habitual alcohol use. A team has examined the effects of Kratom and the potential impacts on people with alcohol use disorder. I heard of this again. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Kratom or Kratom. Um, but I heard this. Um, I heard this is like new information. I'm hearing about this a lot of people trying to curb their alcohol use. All right. So let's look into this a little bit because this is controversial and this is current. Lawmakers across the United States continue to debate the safety of Kratom. Um, an opioid-containing plant that has been listed as a drug of concern by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Kratom is sold over-the-counter in specialty stores and online. Substance use disorders are a major health concern in the U.S., and a growing number of people suffering from these diseases are self-medicating with Kratom or Kratom to help break a cycle of dependence after tobacco the most commonly abused substance in the u.s is alcohol with nearly 15 million people diagnosed with the alcohol use disorder a purdue university team published a paper in november 8th edition of the british journal of pharmacology examining the effects of kratom or kratom and the potential impacts on people with alcohol use disorder. The cost of individuals and society from alcohol use is estimated at more than $250 billion each year. One big challenge that alcohol use disorder is not adequately treated with currently available medications. In fact, less than 10% of patients receive, receive treatment said Richmond Van Ryn, an associate professor at Purdue College of Pharmacy, who led the research team. Few broadly effective drug therapies exist to treat alcohol use disorder, so finding new and better treatments is of critical importance to help people manage their disease. The Purdue scientists, in collaboration with researchers at Memorial Sloan Kettering and Washington University, studied the potential effects of Kratom and its its components on the body and in the ability to reduce alcohol consumption. Our work showed that Kratom may be effective to self-medicate alcohol use disorder, but is not entirely safe. Instead, our research provides additional support for other therapies that would not produce the obvious side effects of using Kratom, which may be addictive. The Purdue team previously focused on a G-protein couple receptor called the data opioid receptor, which is a novel drug target that is different from the receptor in the body that binds prescription opioids. They develop drugs that bind to this new target and selectively activate a particular protein signaling cascade of this receptor. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's not clear. What they're saying here is that it's not clear if Kratom is an adequate uh, replacement or treatment for alcoholism. It may, it may lead to another addictive. It may have addictive components being that it's an opioid plant and it may have its own addictive components and it may not have long-term benefits. But, look, if it works for some people, look, I'll say this. 
the best prescription for dealing with alcohol use disorders abstinence right um but even me i had to use when you go to detox they give you medication and vitamins to help with withdrawal and the shakes that's usually a three-day process that's medically supervised that allows you to go through a more easy withdrawal process that's safe because sometimes withdrawal can lead to seizures and death if it's if it's not medically supervised depending on how hard the alcohol use disorder hits the individual so in my case I mean that last detox ladies and gentlemen I was on my deathbed man I mean if I I had to go to a hospital I had to beg them to let me in and I had to go through the whole process I mean it was days of just throwing up and shaking and sweating and just just being totally out of it it was like I was being transformed but I could not imagine going through that on my own so I'm a big advocate of medically medically supervised detox um and then rehab so this may be create crotum may help people and i think we have to do more research but um the fact that it may not be the best solution to curb habitual alcohol use is something that we should be mindful of and we should keep it going all right last but not least on our alcoholism news Depression and binge drinking more commonly among military partners. So let's look at this because we have a lot of members of the Sober's Dope podcast that's from the military. So, um, and then we did an episode on PTSD and all of that. And we, and then, you know, my grandfather, my brother uh, are both veterans and I have a soft heart for my veterans out there. All right. So they need a lot of love. Same thing with our police officers. All right. New research suggests that depression and binge drinking are more common among the female partners of UK military personnel than among comparable women outside the military community. All right, so let's look at this. Researchers from the King Center for Military Health Research at the Institute of Psychiatry, Psychology, and Neuroscience collected data from 405 women in military families with at least one child representing around a third of the military population. The researchers used a screening tool for depression rather than a diagnosis from a psychiatrist, and women reported frequent symptoms were considered to have probable depression. Drinking behaviors were also recorded through a self-reported screening tool. 7% of military partners met criteria for probable depression compared to 3% of women from the general population. 9.7% of the military partners reported episodes of weekly, daily, or almost daily binge drinking compared to 8.9% from the general population. After controlling for other factors linked to poor alcohol behaviors, the researchers found military partners were twice as likely to binge drink as women in the general population. Overall, military partners reported consuming alcohol less frequently than women in the general population, but reported binge drinking more often. Binge drinking was significantly higher when families were separated for more than two months due to deployment. Military families experienced various unique challenges, such as frequently moving locations and the stress and separation caused by deployment. The researchers say binge drinking may reflect poor coping strategies used by military partners during the long absences of serving personnel from the family home. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, 
So I feel like this is a case of, so we could use this as a model, all right? So it sounds like, you know, military personnel who separated from their family for more than two, two or more months tend to drink less on average than the general population, but binge drink more. And they may have more depressive symptoms. So we all deal with anxiety. I mean, the, um, detachment, anxiety, and um, and um, detachment issues. I mean, for me, my depression was linked to I think loss of my dad, some bad relationships, you know, uh, unfortunate losses, you know, family fights and maybe things not being harmonious. And, you know, you may have, a, for all of us, we may have a bad relationship with one of our siblings, or we may get into a really bad fight with someone that we love. We may be in disharmony with our parental, with, with our um, parental figures and, or we may, may be going through divorce or breakup and separation. A lot of this can lead to binge drinking and depression. So listen, if you're going through some divorce, if you're going through a separation in a relationship, if you're going through some type of familial fight or some type of conflict between your friends, your family, whether it's work-related, some if it's any change in your life, we know this could affect the neuroplasticity of your brain because environmental factors are the precursors for depression and neuroplasticity issues because our brain changed through the environmental factors. Check out our episode on neuroplasticity and depression. This all correlates together. Um, so let's just be mindful of that. If you notice someone around you going through a binge and they tend to be binge drinking and saying, I'm okay, I'm okay, then they have another bad episode. Look look deep into their life. Say, is there anyone that you're fighting with? Is there anyone that you, uh, you, know, you may, may be out of contact with? Is everything good in your relationship? Are you happy overall? There's usually something underlying that could shed light and then maybe we could just kind of get those people the help that they need because binge drinking is still a form of alcoholism all right because we know there's high functioning depression like dysthymia and we know there's high functioning alcoholism so all forms of alcoholism and depression should have some form of treatment it should be some form of attention all right so ladies and gentlemen that's our first ever segment of alcoholism news all right, in headlines, I hope you enjoyed this. I learned a lot. You know, a lot of this information was kind of hard to get through because of the nature of the science content. But, you know, we're not afraid of science on the Sober's Dope um, podcast. We, we embrace science. We like to have the medical community back up our theories. It encourages us to that we're on the right track. And it also reminds us that there's millions of... Um, universities, colleges, and science um, um, personnel out there researching every day on how to bring um, health and recovery to the addict and how to heal people from the alcohol and drug um, epidemic. So we're not alone. We have the self-help groups. We have people like myself doing the podcast. We have people like you and members of the Sobers Dope podcast who share their testimony. We have the scientists out there recording data. It takes it takes more than a village to raise a child. It takes a universe. You know that's my thing, ladies and gentlemen. So we're not alone. So I hope Hope you enjoyed this segment. It was definitely enlightening to me. I love you all, and I'm so excited. I'll catch you on the other side.